Hey, it's Ryan Reynolds, and I'm here with Keith, co-star of my upcoming film, If, only in theaters May 17th. Do you want to tell people the big news? All right, I'll do. Sign up now and you'll get unlimited for $15 a month in six months of Paramount Plus Essential Plan on us. Mintmobile.com slash switch. Upfront payment of $45 equivalent to $15 per month. Unlimited over 40 gigabytes per month. Face lower speeds. Videos at 480p. Active Mint customers by 531.24 get six months of Paramount Plus Essential Plan. Auto renews after six months. Offer ends May 31st, 2024. Separate Paramount Plus registration required. Terms and conditions apply if rated PG. Um, But we're going to jump right into our first guest today because we wanted to get his take on the situation in Ukraine. The latest there, Russia has warned... Uh, as of this morning, that they will quickly take retaliatory measures if the U.S. and its allies reject its security demands over NATO and Ukraine. That, of course, raises pressure on the West. There are concerns that Moscow is going to invade its neighbor. Uh, Russia has denied they have any such plans. But, as you know, that's been the standoff that's been going on for a couple of weeks now. So where does it go from here? And where does Canada fit into all of this? We're going to chat with uh, Dr. Christian Luprecht, who is a national security expert, class of 1965 professor at the Royal Military College and a professor in the Department of Political Science and Economics at Queen's. Um, Dr. Luprecht, thank you for your time this morning. Always appreciate you joining us. Good morning, Shane. My pleasure. So when we talk about this situation, of course, we're saying, um, you know, Russia has warned it will take retaliatory measures if the U.S. and its allies don't um, do what they want them to do. So, again, it's that same posture that we always hear about Russia and the U.S. Those two, of course, are taking the lead. Your statement here is Canada needs to make its voice heard, right? Well, so I'm deeply concerned that this looks like at the end of World War II, that basically the Americans and the Russians are carving up Europe. Uh, in their interests without the participation of European partners. And the future of Europe has to be decided um, with uh, Europe at the table. And so um, for Canada, of course, Europe is our second most important strategic partner after the United States. It's a key, uh, Europe is a key uh, partner to balance some of the U.S. unilateralism. It helps us assert and, and, and multiply our interests and leverage our interests And so it's important for Canada to ensure that the United States does not exercise unilateralism. And I think sort of the more multilateral approach that we've seen from the United States in recent days is some of the reflection of some of the blowback that I think the Americans are getting. I mean, Francois Macron, Emmanuel Macron, Mm. uh, made it very clear in his meeting with Olaf Scholz, the German chancellor in Berlin yesterday, um, that Europe needs to be uh, needs to be at the table, and in his view, Europe needs to take the lead on this. The Germans might not necessarily agree with that sort of approach, uh, but certainly that it can simply be a conversation between uh, uh, between the United States and Russia. And I think if the United States expect allies and loyal partners such as Canada to step up and to step up likely even more than we've already stepped up, uh, then it also means that we need to be considered as uh, as allies and partners in these negotiations. You mentioned Germany, you mentioned France, the United States. Do we need to have um, a realistic conversation about where Canada fits in in that hierarchy? And maybe we don't have as much influence as we think we do. Yeah, and we certainly need to reflect on that. um, Because there's certainly now a sense, I think, in Europe that it's Europe alone, especially after Trump, after the debacle of the Afghanistan drawdown, the damage that did to the credibility of sort of the the leader of the of the free world, mm-hmm. um, and to also the credibility of NATO in the aftermath of Afghanistan, and this is a very dangerous situation for Canada, because Canada, of course, if it wasn't for NATO um, as our probably most important multilateral security institution to leverage our interests, 
Canada would be sort of a medium-sized country uh, out between three big oceans with relatively few partners sort of to work with uh, and to uh, assert our interests. And so it would mean that we would have to uh, expend substantially more on our foreign policy, uh, on our armed forces. And so we get a lot of benefit by working with our European partners. So if Europe goes it alone or if the United States goes it alone or the United States decides they're going to cut a deal here and Europe is just going to draft behind them. All those scenarios are simply not good scenarios for Canada. Um, and so it's in Canada's interest to make sure that it can demonstrate clear capabilities, clear commitment um, uh, to Ukraine and to the stability, the political, economic, social stability of Europe. The problem is, of course, we currently don't have a whole lot to offer. We don't right. even have a fighter jet that can defeat Russian air defenses. There's only one jet out there, the F-35, and repeated governments of both political strikes have refused to commit to buying the jets. So what is it that we can actually put on the table to look like a partner that should actually be taken seriously at a negotiation table? Aside, absolutely, our military involvement, we just can't you know, get involved in the conversation, unfortunately. What else do we have to offer? Is there anything that positions Canada uniquely as, you know, being a good choice to be uh, involved in whatever negotiations take place? Well, Canada is always a preferred and a loyal partner for the United States. Um, there's a sort of joke that goes around in Washington that the Canadian Armed Forces are the Americans' favorite foreign policy tool, because often you can, with Canada, work in a multilateral fashion that is more difficult for the United States to uh, to assert here. Certainly, Canada, for instance, can play an important role in trying to build cohesion among European allies. One of the things that Vladimir Putin is trying to do is to divide NATO, to try to drive further wedges sort of in the in the alliance. And so Canada can demonstrate that we're going to contribute, provided sort of everybody sticks together and, we, and the Atlantic Council, so that's to say the political leadership within NATO uh, shows a united front when it comes to the Ukraine, even though different countries may decide to take different actions and have different commitments. When it comes to deterrence here, Canada can play an important role also in deterrence, not just militarily, but also in the, uh, in the political space. Uh, Canada can provide more troops or, or, or fall in line with the Americans and surge our troop capacity in Latvia. That means, of course, those troops have to come from somewhere. It's not like we have extra troops somewhere sitting around uh, at CFP Edmonton or whatever that might be. That is to say, like, it's going to mean a zero-sum game. Where are we going to draw down those troops? Uh, Canada can provide lethal weapons. Canada can, the United States is threatened, it might start a guerrilla war. In Ukraine, if the Russians decide to invade, Canada can provide for economic stability with Ukraine and sort of demonstrate that uh, it is prepared to live up to the commitment that Canada and the Western alliance made after the Cold War when Ukraine gave up its nuclear weapons in return for security guarantees by the West. So there's a significant role that Canada, um, as a partner with real capacity, can play here, provided the government is prepared to commit and provided the Americans uh, recognize that this is not just unilateralism, but it's important to work together. What do you think um, the opinion is of Canada and our government's commitment, as you mentioned, from Germany, France, the United States, Ukraine? How, um, how much faith do they have in what we're saying? So deterrence has three components, capabilities, commitments, and cash. And the challenge is that Canada always says we're good on sort of the capabilities that we bring. We're willing to make commitments. But I think increasingly there is grumbling, especially in Washington, about that Ottawa needs to put more cash on the table. 
that's flying around with 40-year-old jets. Yes, you can modernize them, not actually having frigates that can sort of uh, compete on an international scale, given the maritime challenges that we face, that there's simply more that needs to be done in terms of expectations from our allies. But I think first and foremost, more needs to be done because we live in a dangerous and challenging world. If you and I had this conversation, uh, say, five years ago, would you have predicted that we're going to be here today talking sure. about uh, yet more adventurism uh, by Vladimir Putin in terms of his revisionist history and trying to expand his sphere of influence over Ukraine, Belarus, uh, Armenia, Kazakhstan, uh, and possibly trying to take back, for instance, uh, NATO members such as the, the, the three Baltic states. And so... This is an insurance policy that we need to, uh, that a premium that we pay. And my argument has been that in the 21st century, the premium that we've been paying has simply not been enough for the challenges that uh, our country faces, that democracy faces, and that global prosperity, peace, and security is facing as a result of the challenges from multiple bad actors. Is part of this, you know, it, it, this is something that's happening over there, and it may not affect us. I mean, we, we're seeing right now what's going on. I think the, the assumption among everybody involved is that the attack on um, Global Affairs Canada's uh, IT networks is coming from Russia. We were warned that Russia would launch cyber attacks, and we need to be aware. I mean, we do have um, some stake in this. We, we, we are at risk because of whatever happens there, correct? Yes, because this has been a broad-scale effort by China and Russia, really dating back more than a decade, to press us hard um, in terms of undermining the legitimacy of our democratic institutions, our politics, our economic prosperity, our social harmony, uh, our diplomatic efforts, our ability to keep ourselves safe in cyberspace. And so what we're witnessing, including, for instance, the attack on the networks of Global Affairs Canada, so our Department of, uh, of Foreign Affairs, um, is part of that broader sort of broad-based, uh, broad-based effort. Uh, we'll need to see whether that was simply an effort at espionage that we had to shut down by simply pulling the plug on the network, or whether that was more, a more nefarious effort to try to exfiltrate data uh, or possibly uh, damage uh, or destroy data servers or machines. Um, so it remains to be seen whether this was generally an attack in quotation marks uh, or whether there was simply a precautionary measure given that uh, uh, the type and the extent of Russian activity and sophistication that we've been observing uh, in networks. But certainly our whole society is vulnerable. The way Russia is going to fight back is not by attacking NATO kinetically. Uh, Vladimir Putin is smarter than that, but it's a very low-cost effort for him to try to turn out the lights in Edmonton, yeah. to try to cause chaos within our federal government, or to bring our transit systems to a standstill. Exactly, and that's what we need to be aware of. Uh, Dr. Luprecht, thank you again so much uh, for your time. Always appreciate it. Shay, it's a real pleasure. Have a lovely morning. You too. Thank you.